Welcome to 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett, and this is episode number 19 of the podcast. And 49er fans, the listeners out there, the people who are partaking in this podcast currently, I'm at a loss for words. We knew 2020 was was awful. We knew it sucked. But I don't think anybody could have expected what happened on Sunday versus Seattle to happen. I mean, it just baffles me, the effort, the execution. Again, I'm at a loss for words as to what to say about the Seahawks game and about the Niners season and the outlook, not only for this season, but 2021. Again, no one expected this. No one expected the Niners to be this bad, to have this many injuries, to struggle this much in 2020. And maybe to a certain point we should have expected it, but my God, not this bad. So let's go over all of it. Let's dive in to the awful, humiliating loss to the Seahawks. Is it the end of Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco? We'll also go over the Quan Alexander trade, and we're going to look ahead at the remainder of the schedule. And I think I have the perfect person to talk to with about this stuff. Joining us now, he covers the 49ers for Sports Illustrated, and he also hosts Tapped in Sports uh, on YouTube. It's Leo Luna. Leo, it's really hard to put a finger on what happened in Seattle. It just, you look at the game and you wonder what happened. Kyle Shanahan, he didn't seem to be necessarily on his game. Garoppolo obviously was not on his game. Uh, The defense played well early but gave up points late, partially because the offense couldn't get anything together. Uh, DK Metcalf torched this defense. and Everything that could go wrong pretty much went wrong on Sunday other than possibly Nick Mullins and Brandon Ayuk and maybe Fred Warner. Uh, Those are the only real positives I can see out of Sunday's loss, but let's start at the top. Kyle Shanahan, coming into this game, they're feeling good about themselves, just ran through the Rams, just utterly destroyed the Patriots. Uh, Shanahan, his play calling is, you know, he's, he's going to the bag of tricks, he's feeling himself. Same as Garoppolo. Garoppolo's playing really well, or, or as well as we've seen him play this year, uh, and the whole team is is gelling 100%. The momentum is fully on their on their side. They stop Russell Wilson in, in the uh, his first drive of the game. They play well against him early. Then Shanahan has his chance to score early. The one thing that stuck out to me were these weird trick plays. These weird trick plays where Trent Taylor is lined up far left. They pull Garoppolo out when he has a bum ankle or possibly you know, not 100% ankle. He runs to the right side of the field and throws the ball 25 yards across his body to the other side of the field. Uh, and the, the Jerick McKinnon... Uh, Wildcat, like were the 2008 Dolphins all over again. Like, it just didn't seem like we were playing San Francisco 49er football. Kyle Shanahan-style football. Uh, what did you make of Kyle Shanahan's game plan and play calling against Seattle this weekend? Well, I, I think Kyle Shanahan drew up a good enough play calling to win the game. And we could also get in the argument of maybe... Kyle Shanahan's not calling the play. He wants to call it as well because of Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I believe that trick play with McKinnon doing the wildcat, I think that's a little bit of do you trust your quarterback in that situation? As well as now that 
pass to Trent Taylor where he threw it 25 yards across the field on the run. I didn't understand that. You could also make the debate, well, Jimmy Garoppolo is experienced enough to drop it off to Kittle, but that's not the play design, and he's going to listen to Kyle Shanahan and still throw it across the field. Uh, I, I do believe that one was the big mistake on that, but I wouldn't say Shanahan did anything really extensively to where I could put the finger blame on him for play calling. It's a good argument to make. I think when you look at Shanahan, I think Niner fans, especially myself, we have grown to call him this offensive genius. And I think to a certain point, Niner fans, and even maybe even the player at some point, you would know more than that than I would, obviously. Uh, he's the guy who they trust 100% of the time because he's proven over time that he can be the guy. He can call the right play when it matters most. He can put this team and design guys open no matter who they're playing, which defense they're playing against. Uh, and, and please tell me if I'm wrong here, but going back to the Cardinals game, we were thinking Debo Samuel was going to be active. There was a chance he was active, albeit maybe a slim one. There was a chance. And after that game, Shanahan mentioned not having Debo and how imperative he is to the offense. And there's no doubting that's a true statement to make. Uh, and I'm not going to go outside and say that he was using not having Debo as uh, as an excuse as to why the offense didn't function fully that game, because we know a lot of things didn't go their way. Kittle getting hurt, Dante Pettis, who just got cut, um, and Trent Taylor uh, being the number two and number one receivers out there. Uh, but then you look at this game, where things are kind of similar. Uh, Debo gets hurt against the Patriots, uh, and, and you're kind of like, okay, now, now they don't have receiver number one again. And after the game again against Seattle, Shanahan mentions not having Debo. Are we understating how important Debo is to the offense? Or is there something to, and I'm not saying this, but if someone goes out there and makes a statement of, well, if Kyle Shanahan can't scheme a win or, or can't scheme without Debo Samuel, why are we calling him this offensive genius? Does Debo Samuel mean more to the offense than we initially think or thought he did before this season? I think so. When Jimmy Garoppolo is your quarterback, they're running more of a horizontal offense and that's going to be Debo Samuel's specialty. He's someone that can win downfield. We've seen it time and time last year where he jumped over the Arizona Cardinals defenders back and brought in that pass. That was pretty much the highlight reception of the season for the 49ers outside of maybe Kittle's fourth and two play. And then he did it in the preseason against the Dallas Cowboys as well. So he's someone that can win downfield, but his, his main recipe of success is going to be his yards after catch uh, with those little drop-off passes, as well as he just makes Jimmy Garoppolo a much better quarterback because now he's able to just pitch it forward to Debo Samuel, and that builds Jimmy the Garoppolo the confidence he needs to maintain his even kill throughout the whole entire game. And as far as when it comes to him being missed against Seattle, yeah, obviously he's going to be missed when your quarterback's dealing with a high ankle sprain. He's not going to be able to spread the ball downfield enough. And with Debo Samuel... Uh, there was people that were open. The receivers were open. Ayuk was open frequently. Uh, Kendrick Bourne was open frequently. I wouldn't say missing Debo Samuel on Sunday uh, made Kyle Shanahan just lose his game plan and just made him call a completely different game. But was his presence missed? Absolutely, because Debo Samuel is a stud. And any time you could add him onto the field, that gives your offense a much more higher leverage than any other game. Well, you mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo, and obviously we're going to get into him because he is probably the biggest story 
of this past week and arguably has been the biggest story since February uh, for this team. Is he the guy? Is he not the guy? Can they trust him? Uh, we all know he got hurt against the Jets, played great that game, or played good enough to get the offense to win. Uh, comes back against Miami and just, you know, to put it bluntly, he craps the bed. He obviously was not healthy. Um, and then he comes in against the Rams. Uh, Shanahan gets his confidence back. Uh, Garoppolo is starting to feel himself a little bit. Then he goes into New England, playing against his former coach, former team, and he looks phenomenal, albeit through two picks, but you know, one really doesn't count because of the halftime interception. Uh, but he looks confident. He looks like the best Jimmy Garoppolo we've seen all year. He's smiling. He has the chain around his neck. He looks like 2019 Garoppolo, albeit no touchdowns. Uh, and then you look at the game against Seattle. And Mark Schlereth pointed out early in the broadcast for Fox that Garoppolo had kind of reverted back to throwing the ball on his front foot. And again, I don't know I don't know the, the injury report other than Garoppolo is going to miss six weeks with a high ankle sprint and it's worse than it was you know, three, four weeks ago. Um, but he also had no confidence and it was notable early. And I guess my question to you is when you have a quarterback like Garoppolo, like let's forget 2019, looking at 2020, a guy who has been up and down roller coaster season, healthy or not healthy. He hasn't been able to find himself, uh, even after a really big win or even two wins like the Rams and Patriots game. Is it obvious that defenses are picking up not only on maybe his weaknesses and inconsistencies, but also his lack of confidence on the field? And and how does someone get that back for him? Is that on Shanahan to scheme plays open and get guys open for him? Because like you said, they were guys open. He's just not hitting them. So it's I know it's hard to, to pinpoint here, but what is kind of the key recipe or, or the recipe to get Garoppolo back on track if he is indeed here next season? So the main thing with Garoppolo, what we hear often is that he is such a team guy that he's just one of the guys. He's not someone that holds himself as, I'm the franchise quarterback making $27 million. That's not him. So what I relate that to is when the running game is so successful, that means the offensive line is smiling. That means George Kittle smiling, yelling, run it again. Debo's happy because he's getting some of those end arounds. Ayuk's getting some of those end arounds. And then once everybody's smiling and the run game is working, Jimmy Garoppolo is showing off his chin line and he's smiling as well. So that's what creates the confidence for Jimmy is once everybody else is happy. And on Sunday against the Seahawks, the running game didn't work at all. It was it was awful. And going back to the previous two weeks, as you mentioned, it worked against the Rams. And it worked against the Patriots. And that's when Jimmy was at his best this season. And then as soon as the run game did not work, that's when we kind of seen things fall apart with Jimmy Garoppolo and his confidence with being behind receivers, being late on the read. And and that's where I'm just going to relate it to is his confidence is built through the run game. And that's what makes Jimmy Garoppolo excited for the next play because he's seeing all of his guys happy. Well, sticking with the notion of Garoppolo being this, you know, one of the guys' team players, while that maybe helps the team and gets, you know, the offensive line smiling, gets Kittle and Debo and Ayuk involved and makes them happy, is there maybe a question as the Niners don't need a quarterback like that? They need someone to go out there and say, look, I'm getting paid $28 million, I'm going to sling it around, and you're going to like it or not. Like someone like a Tom Brady who would not even throw to receivers he didn't trust in practice. Do the Niners need someone like that to be the alpha male dog and go out there and just say, look, I'm the quarterback, you listen to me. 
Or do they need someone, or does Kyle Shanahan prefer someone like Jimmy Garoppolo, who is a team player, wants to get everybody involved, and will do what he's told 98% of the time? I think they would definitely prefer someone who's a team guy because Shanahan is such a relaxed guy, but they're going to prefer someone that's going to be a leader as well. And where I had my frustrations with Jimmy is when he got benched in the Miami game, he was playing bad. Fair enough. He didn't get benched because it was a protection, like they called it. it was, he was playing terrible, so then they used that as the excuse, which is obvious. Anybody would. But where my frustrations build on that is he just held a clipboard, put on his hat, and took his loss. In 94, Steve Young got benched when they got blown out by the Eagles, and Steve Young was yelling the entire rest of the game when he was on the bench. He was not happy. He had that fire. He held the coach accountable, and he held everybody else accountable. And I think that's what you need with this 49ers team is to not only hold everybody accountable but hold himself accountable. It was more of a, okay, I'm going to shrug my shoulders and take my loss from Jimmy Garoppolo. And they do need that guy with fire because there is you can mix both. You can have someone that could go ahead and sling it and be a team guy. There's Russell Wilson. There's Patrick Mahomes. Uh, so there's a mixture of both that you can have. And Jimmy Garoppolo is just, I'm going to be one of the guys, but he can't really your offensive things are going bad, and he's not going to hold guys accountable if it's going bad. And I think that's in order for Jimmy Garoppolo to succeed more when things aren't working, he's going to have to hold people accountable, including himself. When you say holding himself accountable, does that mean, hey, I played piss poor and I have to do better? Or is it, look, I need to go into training camp, go into practice, and work on my weaknesses? work on his weaknesses and not necessarily hold himself accountable to where he goes in the press conference after the game and say, Hey, this game's on me. Not in that way. Hold himself accountable where he has a fire to himself, where he does not want to be out of that game because he is the best quarterback that gives this team the best chance to win. So he needs to hold himself to accountable to say, Hey, I'm not going to let my guys down. You keep me in there because I am going to get better. I'm going to have these better reads. I'm going to make better passes. I'm going to be on time. Hold himself accountable in that way and not just take accountability in the press conference. Well, you mentioned something. And speaking of press conferences, Kyle Shanahan has his. I'm, I'm sure you were on the Zoom call with it. Um, and he, he made a point to say that you know, it's not difficult for him to evaluate Jimmy uh, and, and what he's capable of. Uh, but one thing I think that stuck out to me was that he said Jimmy gives us the best chance to win, and he's proven that. And so with all this quarterback controversy of is Mullins the guy, Garoppolo's not going to be here, Steve Young putting his his take on the table saying I don't think Garoppolo's going to be here, the calling cowards of the world saying Garoppolo's done, the list goes on and on and on of all these people saying Garoppolo's done, it's over. And I understand why people would say that given the context as to what's happening. Uh, but... I'm sure, like yourself, I also understand what Kyle Shanahan looks for in a quarterback. And while Garoppolo might not be the perfect specimen as to what he wants, he's pretty darn close. Now, we all know the ties between Shanahan and Kirk Cousins and how they want how Shanahan wanted Cousins, and we're not going to go down that route. But I, I just want to ask, when it gets late into the season, and there is a chance, albeit a very small chance, Garoppolo comes back, do you think Shanahan is eager to put him back out there or do you think this is it? And Shanahan is just giving us lip service saying, yeah, he might give us a chance to win now, but next year I'm going to find somebody else who can do it even better than him. 
his timeline is six weeks at the moment. And if it's exactly that six weeks, that means he's going to come back against the Cowboys, the Cardinals, and the, Ram- and the, excuse me, the Seahawks. I'm not sure you want him to come back in those three games. So they may just rest him. There's also saying that he may need surgery as well, depending on how things progress. Um, but when it comes to he gives them the best chance to win, well, absolutely. As you said, Nick Mullins is not the guy. He's probably one of the best backup quarterbacks in the league, but he's not someone you're going to hand the keys to the franchise to. If you need someone to start for a week, yeah, Nick Mullins, great. But if you need someone to start for the rest of the season, yeah, he's Nick Mullins isn't that guy. Um, and, but something that stuck out to me in that press conference is that he said Jimmy Garoppolo gives them the best chance to win. Yes, he does, because it's Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard on, on your roster. That's obvious. But he also did state, he didn't shy away and say, talk about it, Jimmy Garoppolo's our guy. He said in regards to his $26.9 million cap hit next year, he said salary cap is a big part of football. So that kind of just opened up my eyes there to where, gives you your best chance to win with the current quarterbacks on your roster, but I think it does open up the conversation for the offseason on if Jimmy Garoppolo's going to be with the 49ers. Wow, I mean, I, I think that's what a lot of people have been rumored to be saying all over Twitter, but but when someone who's in on those Zoom calls and Kyle Shanahan maybe is hinting at it, do, do you think Kyle Shanahan really is, and, and maybe you just answered my this question here, but do you think Kyle Shanahan is already setting up the stones and kind of dropping the hints that says, look, if we have to cut Garoppolo, we're going to do it for financial purposes and we're not going to be shy about it. I think absolutely. Because with this 49ers roster, you could go ahead and have a 12-4 and season with a rookie quarterback like Dallas did with Dak Prescott when he was a rookie. That's just how they're built. And $24 million is what you'd be able to do if you got rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. You're able to sign... Trent Williams, you're probably able to extend Fred Warner, you're able to sign Jason Brett back onto the team, and I think that's what it does big picture, and Kyle Shanahan believes in his offense so much, and what I relate to their marriage, essentially, to is when you see a TV show, and there's a family with little kids, and the parents are set for a divorce, the kids could tell, but the kids are the 49er fans. And the kids are looking at the parents like, man, we hope they keep this together. We hope they keep this together. They go have a nice family meal, have, have a family movie night, come back home, but still sleeping in separate rooms. And it's just set up for a divorce. And that's where Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo are on the brinks for reading in between the lines. Where do you think Shanahan and Garoppolo's relationship may have gone wrong? Because last year we saw how great this team was. The chemistry seemed to be there, albeit Garoppolo did have his weaknesses and had his bad games here and there. Uh, the one that sticks out to me is the Pittsburgh game, uh, and even that second Cardinals game where he threw two picks, one of them being a horrendous throw to Jordan Hicks. It just seemed like you know it, it all kind of climaxed at or in the Super Bowl against uh, Kansas City late in that game where Shanahan was putting that game on Garoppolo's shoulders and granted you can go back and forth and argue why they lost that game and you'll get a bunch of different answers all of them pretty valid um, but where do you think the relationship went wrong was it week one with the receivers out and Garoppolo couldn't get the win or do you think Kyle Shanahan has kind of always had one foot out the door on Jimmy Garoppolo you hit the head on the nail right there Kyle Shanahan has always had one foot out the door on Jimmy Garoppolo because 
they didn't take Deshaun Watson in the 2017 draft because the plan was we're going to go with Brian Hoyer for a year and then we're going to sign Kirk Cousins in the free agency. That's who Kyle Shanahan wants. But instead, John Lynch got a steal uh, for a second round pick to go ahead and acquire Jimmy Garoppolo. And Kyle Shanahan was kind of forced to say, all right, second round pick for Jimmy T. We'll take it. And then they were forced to pay Jimmy Garoppolo that money because the way he played, there's no way you don't pay him. Um, you could argue a franchise tag, maybe. So then they pay on the big contract, and then he gets hurt, misses 13 games. That's obviously not on Garoppolo. That's football. And then you go back to last year. Jimmy Garoppolo did have a chance to win. Obviously, like you said, every there was multiple aspects to that loss, not just Jimmy. But he did have a chance at the end to go down and win the game. That did not happen. And then you come back into the season thinking, okay, yeah, maybe there's a Matt Ryan year two MVP year under Shanahan like Jimmy Garoppolo. Instead, he kind of lays an egg in that Arizona Cardinals game. You look at the box score and you say, wow, Jimmy played well, but not really because they had a chance to win at the end. And he threw the ball short to Kendrick Bourne in the end zone, which would have been a gimme touchdown. And then he was late to and behind Trent Taylor on fourth down. And then you go after that, he gets hurt week two. Now he misses a couple games. He comes back and plays atrocious against the Miami Dolphins. He made up for it, but it was against the Rams and, and Patriots, but it was more of a horizontal offense. Not really the way that Shanahan wants to get vertical with play action and, and going downfield, taking more shots downfield. That's, Shanahan doesn't want to stay horizontal the whole entire game. And then you come back and he plays atrocious against the Seahawks. So he's kind of at the point to where, okay, I'm paying this guy $27 million. We could free up $24 million to go ahead and get someone that's going to give us the same that Jimmy is right now, whether it's through free agency or a top prospect in the draft. And with the shortened cap next season, I think they're going to have to make a decision. Do we save that $24 million and pay a fraction of the cost for somebody else or give that $24 million to, say, Matthew Stafford? I guess my next question, going back to, I guess, more of the, you know, the parents that are divorcing and Niner fans being the children, uh, considering Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be maybe part of that divorce, do you think that he knows it? I'm, I'm assuming he does or... I guess my my question really is, do you think that's affecting his play? Because we've seen him battle back from adversity. We've seen how this team talks about him. And I have, on this own podcast, on Twitter, on Instagram, have been vehemently, I don't want to say violently, but loud enough, been saying Jimmy Garoppolo is the guy. I love Jimmy G. I've defended him through 18 episodes of this podcast, saying he's going to be okay. And there comes to a point where you just can't excuse some of the weaknesses. You, you can forgive some of them. You can scheme around them which I think San Francisco did so well last year. But do you think that going back to maybe uh, Shanahan wanting Kirk Cousins over Garoppolo, Garoppolo never being in the initial plans, then San Francisco having, maybe this is Shanahan again, having one foot out the door with maybe bringing in Tom Brady and them, I don't know if this is exactly the entirety of the truth, but what they said was they kept Garoppolo in the loop the entire time. Like, Do you think the seeds were planted when they were looking at Tom Brady and Garoppolo's thinking in the back of his head, maybe they don't want me here. Maybe I shouldn't be here. Maybe I should go back to New England where a coach wanted me to be the heir apparent to the greatest quarterback of all time. 
Absolutely. I, I think you know as a person when they fully invest time into looking into Tom Brady, it wasn't just something to where they go, Tom Brady's available. Okay, cool. Let's, you know, let's think about it. Okay, we thought about it. No, it was based on what I've heard. It was somebody inside the 49ers organization said, hey, Tom Brady is interested in coming here if you can make it happen. So John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, they investigated Tom Brady and watched his tape from last season. And then once they watched his tape, they watched Jimmy Garoppolo's tape. And then they made the decision, okay, let's go with the younger quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, hindsight 2020, we all will say, well, man, they should have went with Tom Brady. Um, but you know at that point, it's pretty much talking about the divorcing. Once again, I don't want to get too relationship savvy here, but it's like the one being divorced. He's knowing his partner is possibly looking elsewhere. He maybe saw a text uh, from somebody else in his messages, and he's thinking, man, this, this might be over. And I think that's what happened. Like, you just took the team to the Super Bowl, and, and now they're already looking at a different quarterback. That kind of tells you where he stands in the 49ers organization. If I were to ask you, did Jimmy Garoppolo fail Kyle Shanahan, or did Kyle Shanahan fail Jimmy Garoppolo, which side would you fall on? Because I know what side I fall on, and I think Kyle Shanahan failed Jimmy Garoppolo by not buying in 100% and having one foot out the door. I think it's a mixture of both, possibly, and then just a little bit of mixture of bad luck. Uh, I think with Kyle Shanahan, words do mean a lot to these players. They are pretty emotional especially when it comes to your head coach they take it very serious and Kyle Shanahan continuously stating his love for Kirk Cousins that that's the guy he wanted to go get yeah Jimmy's gonna hear that and then after you just take your team to the Super Bowl and having 27 touchdowns um, and now they're already looking at the guy you backed up in New England yeah that that does sting a little bit and then with Jimmy Garoppolo is where he failed Kyle is there, there was plays to be made that he left on the table. And it seems to be like that is the continuing conversation after every loss. And then the mixture of bad luck, I'm going to say is the injury. the 2018 against the chiefs where he tears his ACL. That was a little bit of bad luck. His high ankle sprain against the jets out of all teams. That's a little bit of bad luck. What are the odds that Shanahan and Lynch take a step back? And say, look, 2020 has been this awful, roundabout, piss poor, no one can control the 2020 season. Everyone's hurt. Everything that can go wrong is going wrong and has gone wrong and probably will continue to go wrong. They just take a step back and say, you know what? This team isn't as bad. Garoppolo isn't as bad as everyone's saying he is. We can win with this guy. Let's give him one more chance. Because having Garoppolo, other than financially, on the roster does not harm this team one bit. Is there a chance Garoppolo actually does come back next year? I've been a Garoppolo believer. I wanted him to have success. I wanted him to be the guy for the 49ers. But at this point, it seems like they're ready to divorce. And this high ankle sprain was the last of it. And I think there was a chance if he didn't re-injure it against Seattle and he ended up putting together a better season at the end of the year. Um, But as far as the chances of him being back as a 49er, it's, it's very limited. There has to be nothing that they like in the draft, which 
there's a few good quarterbacks. They could end up with one that they like. And if there's nothing as far as veteran free agents, which there could be because teams may look to start over, uh, such as Detroit Lions or the Atlanta Falcons, or if the Dallas Cowboys end up with such a good pick to where they decide to move on from Dak Prescott and his ankle situation. So if none of those situations materialize, yeah, there's a chance for Jimmy Garoppolo to be back. But do I believe one of those situations materialize, whether it's free agency or the draft? I do. And I think the 49ers are going to be favored to save that $24 million in salary cap opposed to paying Jimmy Garoppolo 26.9. Well, you're going to make half the Niner fan base yell and hate you. You're also going to make the other half cheering in the background uh, and cheering you on. Again, I, I think the downfall of Jimmy Garoppolo, it, it just stinks. And I think that is just the Niner fan in me and maybe even in you saying, man, I really thought we had the guy. I really thought we had this in the bag. Uh, but I want to transition to to Quan Alexander. And you kind of hit on it with Garoppolo as well, and this might tie in well with it, the emotional side to the locker room. We saw back when they traded DeForest Buckner, DJ Jones spoke out. Plenty of other guys spoke out saying, man, like this one hurts. This, this is a leader, a veteran guy who, who has been phenomenal, not only on the field, but in the locker room, a steady presence from a past regime to this regime. Uh, we, we don't want to lose this guy. Uh, and they trade him to Indianapolis, bring in Javon Kinlaw, uh, and then the tide kind of changes, you know, things kind of calm down. Then Quan Alexander gets traded, and you see McKinnon on Twitter uh, make his comments. You see other guys make their comments. Fred Warner outwardly shows not his displeasure, but how much Quan Alexander meant to him. And while I do like the trade, I don't want to focus on the trade itself. I want to focus on the emotional aspect, the hit it takes to a locker room. With Buckner now gone, who is leader, Quan Alexander, who is now leader, I don't want to say, is there a chance that Lynch and Shanahan may be losing part of the locker room? Or is just the emotional hit was so hard when it happened that Niner uh, players had no other response than to react to it? I don't think they're losing the locker room one bit. I, I think these players are professional enough to know the business side of the NFL, especially a guy like McKinnon who left the Vikings to take more money. And then the 49ers, gave him a second chance by bringing him back after basically releasing him of his salary this season. And it's just one of those situations to where if you were working in a company and you were really good buddies with a guy that you've seen there every single day, and then the company lets him go, but you know, the future of the company, he, he wasn't meant there to be, successful it was it was going to come to an end at a certain point but you wanted that guy there because you enjoyed his presence a lot and that's what it came down to these players they know the nfl's a business they understand the salary cap they know Quan's missing games but do they want him in the locker room obviously but i think the the business side of the nfl is the bigger picture that everyone's going to understand when you look at Again, going back to Jimmy Garoppolo, and I know we've talked, you know, 30 minutes on him already, but what would losing Jimmy Garoppolo mean to the locker room as well? On top of losing Buckner and Quan, uh, maybe all in one season's worth of time. That hurts because that was your Super Bowl team. Um, but I think bringing somebody in over Jimmy Garoppolo would tell them, hey, we have a fresh start and mediocrity isn't acceptable no matter where you are ranked and no matter how much you're being paid 
into this uh, franchise. And if you're meeting mediocrity, your time may be limited with this team. So I don't think anyone's going to feel anything emotional about it. Obviously, I can't speak for them personally because they may feel a little different than they actually let on. Um, but I think the business side of the NFL is completely understood in their situation. And as well as not having to answer these questions about is Jimmy Garoppolo the guy, it does get pretty tiresome for them. And at that point, you're able to move forward, and now you don't have to answer those questions anymore. Do you think maybe, again, maybe you just answered my question, but do you think, it, and, you know, like a fresh start, do you think it's more so like we just have to hit the reset button to actually unlock the full potential of this offense? Is that what it is? Because like, I guess my, my real question to you is, what is stopping John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan to go to Garoppolo and say, hey, can you take a pay cut? We'll give you a, a small little guarantee here because you have none now uh, just to make sure you're not getting paid as much as you are to keep you around. Because we see how good this team can be with Garoppolo. Maybe it did peak in 2019, and they are just a 9-10 win team that, that sticks around the wild card or maybe wins a division here and there, but never truly wins the big one when it matters. But, but but what is stopping them from going to Garoppolo and asking him to take a pay cut? Or has Garoppolo checked out just like Shanahan has? That's a great question. So what's stopping them is basically saying, hey, we don't believe in you anymore. So can you give us some money back on your paycheck so that we could filter it to bolster this roster since you're not meeting the expectations to your contract? That's basically what's stopping them. Because then you do that to Jimmy Garoppolo, everyone in the locker room is going to be like, like, okay, they don't believe in our quarterback, but they're going to keep him as our quarterback? Like, that doesn't make sense. Um, so that that's basically what's stopping them. If I were to ask you, not based on your insights into the organization, not based off uh, what you've heard from Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, just you personally, Leo, what would you do? with Jimmy Garoppolo? Would you draft a quarterback in the first round, or would you wait till the second or third this coming year? Or would you try to trade him, or would you just cut bait and start fresh somewhere else with Nick Mullins and then find a guy elsewhere? This is tough, because uh, the fan inside of me wants Jimmy Garoppolo to be the guy. But after watching tape, hearing interviews, I don't think that's a situation that I'm willing to put a dollar on next season. Uh, so what I would do is, I would probably go with the quarterback in the draft because there's five guys that can be great immediately. And I'm talking about Trey Lance. I'm talking about Zach Wilson. I'm talking about Mac Jones. And then the obvious two front runners in Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. And that I would go that route because if you do take a Matthew Stafford, he's going to cost you quite a bit of the salary cap. Um, if you go with Dak Prescott, he's going to cost you a bit of the salary cap. And then, there's the aspect of their teams have to make them available first as well. Uh, I would go with one of these guys uh, that can extend the field because from what I'm seeing from Brandon Ayuk, he's an absolute stud. And there's not a re reason why that Kittle plays better with Mullins is because Mullins does, his arm's not great, but he does throw the ball downfield more than Jimmy does. And that's what makes Kittle so much better as far as like, statistical standpoint um so i would go with one of those guys instead of jimmy garoppolo at this point and save that money and utilize that in different aspects within the team do you have a favorite guy out of the five now i'm assuming we're not going to get trevor lawrence 
probably not going to get Justin Fields, but out of the Trey Lances and the uh, the, the Mac Wilsons or, or Mac Jones or whoever it is, who who is the guy that you would target? Is there one guy? Is there two guys who you just think stand out above the rest that aren't guys who are going to go in the top five, top six of the draft? I'm preparing myself for who I think they will take um, if they do decide to do that route. Um, I'm going to go back to 2017. The consensus was take Deshaun Watson or take Jamal Adams. They took Solomon Thomas. 2018, the consensus was take Minka Fitzpatrick or Tremaine Edmonds. They took Mike McGlinchey and traded Trent Brown. 2019, uh, Nick Bosa was the obvious selection. You're not going anything else from there. 2020, it's, we everybody knew the 49ers were going wide receiver. So the consensus was CeeDee Lamb or Jerry Judy. Instead, they took Kinlaw and then traded up for Ayuk, which I like Ayuk. I'm not complaining about that at all. But I'm just comparing what the consensus thought what the 49ers were going to do. And right now, the consensus is Trey Lance, Zach Wilson. I don't really see that happening just because they teeter away from the consensus. So I'm going with Mac Jones. And I like Mac Jones a lot. I'm not just saying Mac Jones because I think that's what they'll do. I'm saying Mac Jones because I think that's what they'll do, but I also like him a ton. He is 72% in his career completion percentage. He's someone that can throw the ball on a rope off balance 40 to 50 yards down the field. He is tough, which is the main thing in Shanahan's system. And he has 31 touchdowns to five interceptions, and he could win shootouts against top defenses in the SEC. I like him a lot. Well, it seems like the consensus between you and me, maybe we don't like the answer to the questions we're asking, but it seems like Garoppolo's done. They're going with a guy via the draft, and it might be Mac Jones. Uh, and again, you're going to piss off some Niner fans, and you're going to make some happy. Uh, but let's move past Jimmy Garoppolo. Let's move past Quan Alexander. Dante Pettis is now gone. Let's move past, I guess you could say, the past. And let's look to right now. Let's don't look at the future. Look at right now at the schedule this Thursday, Green Bay Packers coming off a humiliating loss to Seattle, losing their quarterback, losing their tight end, no Debo, no Raheem Mostert, uh, still have guys like uh, Bosa's out for the entire year, Sherman's still out, Tevin Coleman is now out, granted you can argue if he really is in addition to the offense, but this Thursday, and this game may not even be played due to COVID because so many guys are going to be out, uh, but let's be under the assumption this game is played either on Thursday or Sunday or Monday, whenever it is. Nick Mullins is the guy. He's now the starting quarterback, uh, at least as far as we know. Do you think that there is a chance Green Bay comes into San Francisco, or Santa Clara technically, and plays a game kind of timid? They have a lot of guys out, and we saw what San Francisco did two times last year, albeit with almost an entirely different offense. But do you think that 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 cloud hangs over their head and they can also bring that kind of dark and gloomy raining cloud with them into Santa Clara again and San Francisco steals a win against a team who lost to Kirk Cousins last week? I think the 49ers could seriously steal a win against the Green Bay Packers because it seems like Green Bay Packers can't stop a nosebleed when it comes to their run defense. And yeah, the 49ers lost last week and they feel bad because they lost Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle as a result of that game. But what the Green Bay Packers also got blown out, it feels like, against the Vikings. And now they're going to have to travel west after being in Minnesota, which is not such a short flight. And when you're going against that east coast in the flight, you do feel a little bit of jet lag. And then 
with that COVID, it's definitely going to affect their mind in the locker room. They're probably talking more about COVID right now than the game plan. I'm sure Aaron Rodgers and Matt, Michael LaFleur is going to try to tell them not to, but it's going to happen. And I think the 49ers can seriously steal a win here because their offense in Green Bay is going to be completely one-dimensional where it's going to be Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. That's it. And then you have Hasty, who could match up well against this Green Bay Packers defense, considering the 49ers offensive line has really good run blockers on it. I would expect this game to be more competitive than, say, the people on the TV networks might predict. Not only how imperative is this game for the Niners to maybe salvage any playoff hopes they have, which could be very minimal at this point due to the injuries, but how how important is this game for Nick Mullins, who we saw come out, he beat he played again, he played in the Jets game, came out and beat the Giants, then he you know came in to Santa Clara and, and just couldn't get it done against Philadelphia. Maybe they forced Garoppolo back too soon against Miami, although you said earlier that wasn't really the case and he wasn't that hurt. They just wanted to get him out because of his poor play. Um, how important is this game to Nick Mullins, who is a guy who many fans believe in, many guys think is better than Garoppolo, whether it's on Twitter. Maybe there are guys in the locker room who think that. Who, who believe that Nick Mullins can lead this team in a vertical passing offense and fits this scheme a little better than Garoppolo does. Is there a chance that if Mullins comes in, beats Green Bay, uh, and maybe you know plays well against the Saints, maybe beats the Rams and you know, keeps this team 7-9, maybe they win two more games, three more games, is there a chance that you know, they look at him as maybe a franchise kind of bridge gap quarterback? I think they could look at him as a bridge gap if they take say, uh, Mac Jones round one and decide to go with Mullins um, for at least the first few games and then decide to throw Mac Jones out there or, say, anybody else uh, that they may want to take in the draft. But I don't think they'll view him as a franchise quarterback. What I like to say is with Jimmy Garoppolo, the 49ers are so stacked that they're a Ferrari. They give Jimmy Garoppolo the keys and say, hey, drive – the speed limit two blocks down when with Nick Mullins, it's more of a, all right, here's the key to the Ferrari, just parallel park it right there across the parking lot. And so I don't think they'll tell him or at least try to give him the same amount as they give Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, but he could be a short term stopgap, nothing longer than, than one year at all. And, but the main thing for Nick Mullins here to come out and play successful will be trying to earn a second contract in the NFL. Two more questions. One, the Dante Pettis just got cut. I'm assuming it's just more of like a thank God he's gone. Can you tell me what exactly went wrong with Dante Pettis? We heard he was in the doghouse for a long time, but we heard a a bunch of great news about him uh, during training camp, albeit a very short training camp. Uh, what happened to Dante Pettis, and why did Shanahan just really never seem to take his 2018 season and build upon that? I think it's the love for football uh, with Dante Pettis. And then when you have the love of football, you see a little dog out of players. And that's what Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch love to build around their teams. They have guys that love football like Javon Kinlaw, Trent Williams, Fred Warner, George Kittle. Um, Dante Pettis doesn't really fit that narrative because when they wanted him to run certain routes in training camp, he was kind of timid, kind of half speed 
causing Jimmy Garoppolo to throw interceptions, and that's why Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't really attempt to throw the ball to Dante Pettis when he's in the game because Jimmy Garoppolo lost the trust to Dante Pettis. Um, not only Jimmy lost that trust, Cal Shanahan lost that trust. It seems like he only worked with Nick Mullins uh, because Nick Mullins, like we spoke about, he's more of a vertical quarterback, even though his arm's not that much better than Jimmy, but he'll at least try it. Um, so that's the issue with Dante Pettis is just the love for the game. Yeah, he had a good day in training camp this year. He didn't put a good couple of days. It was kind of that one day he shined in, and then that was it. Um, I, he's someone I would have liked to see him succeed on this team because when I look at a receiver like Justin Jefferson, the way they run their routes are very similar um, with their legs and their arms just flailing all over the place. But <laughs> Justin Jefferson came from the SEC, came from LSU, and he has that dog in him. And you see it happens when he plays. You don't see that in Dante Pettis. And I think that was the issue with his 49ers tenure. Going back to Jimmy Garoppolo, and this is my second-to-last question for you. Last question will be a prediction for Thursday's game or whenever that game is actually played. Um, but we talked at you know at length today, and, and, and you've been great, Leo, just phenomenal today on, on the insight you've given us. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, he, he seems to be getting a lot of the hate, not due to just his play, but due to the expectations, reasonable expectations, going from Super Bowl potential winner, seven and a half minutes away from it, to blowing that, now the worst team in the NFC West, albeit probably not the worst team, just a team from first to last, from best to suck. That just kind of seems like he's getting all the heat, and I get it, he's a quarterback, you're going to point blame somewhere, you're going to point it to the guy who you're calling the face of the franchise. But when I look at it, and despite the reasonable criticism of maybe him not being a vertical quarterback, him not having the arm strength, him not reading the field. Because I watched Tom Brady last night, just his first drive, and said, wow. And granted, he's the greatest quarterback of all time, but the way he reads the field is better than anybody. And granted, he's been playing for what seems like 50,000 decades, but he looks at every single receiver and, and tries to find the biggest play, and if he can't, then he hits the check down. And Garoppolo seems to be a check down first kind of guy or the five to seven yards past the line of scrimmage guy. And I get it. Different guys have different makeup. Uh, and so it's okay to criticize that 100%. I'm not going to defend it. That just is what it is. But when I look at the roster and all the injuries that have happened, and I kind of already hit on this earlier with you, but it seems like Kyle Shanahan, who has taken a lot of criticism this year, also reasonable to a certain extent, it seems like he gets a pass for the injuries that have occurred more so than Garoppolo. That Garoppolo gets more of the blame for the loss in the Super Bowl and how bad the team has been this year. Uh, do you think there needs to be a more collective look at the Niners, not just blaming Garoppolo and pointing the finger, but look at John Lynch and some of the guys he's drafted. Look at Kyle Shanahan and some of the guys he has maybe underdeveloped or given up on or maybe not even wanted to really find their potential like a Jimmy Garoppolo who we have both agreed he had one foot out the door on um like do you think Niner fans should look at this I don't want to call it a failure of 2020 because again it's 2020 and nothing goes right but more of a collective look and say Shanahan deserves blame Garoppolo deserves blame John Lynch deserves blame then there's this entire gray area of we couldn't change anything because of the injuries that happened. 
I believe everybody has a full piece in the pie um, with that because even dating back to the Super Bowl, you could say, well, if Emmanuel Mosley didn't bite on the dig route and stayed in his cover three, there's a good chance the 49ers do come out with a win. Um, from my understanding, Kendrick Bourne had a choice route. He decided to break that choice route in, and then that's when Jimmy Garoppolo on third down threw it, seems like in no man's land, because Kendrick Bourne was actually supposed to choose to run a post corner with one-on-one coverage. Um, and then with Shanahan, I think, why did Mostert get his first carry in the second quarter? Why not the first quarter? And why didn't he get more carries at the end of the game? Why did he put the ball in Jimmy Garoppolo's hand? So I think it's a full collective effort, even with John Lynch. John Lynch will love Ruben Foster, and that's someone he went up and traded up for and selected. And that didn't work out well, even though he got kicked out of the combine and there was red flags stating back to Alabama. Um, it did look like a solid pick at first, but eventually those red flags bit more than it can chew. And it's definitely a full collective effort. When it comes to the injuries, um, Kyle Shannon doesn't get looked at relatively too negative because this team is still pretty competitive. And then watching the film, there is uh, times to where receivers are open or the play works, but it just didn't execute. Um, but I do believe everybody does have a piece of the pie. All right, Leo, last question for you. Thursday night, Niners-Packers in Santa Clara. What is your score prediction, and what does the headline read on Monday morning, uh, or maybe even Friday morning, after that game is over with? So it's going to be maybe BDN. Uh, I think he can come out, Nick Mullins, come out, have a decent game. Uh, He can lead this team to victory, or... Hasty all the way, maybe could be the name of it, where Jermichael Hasty has a 100-yard rushing performance, which would be awesome for this team because that would be their fourth running back under the Shanahan era. That was an undrafted player to rush for 100 yards uh, as a 49er. Um, I, I think the 49ers are going to come out with this with this game, and they're, they're going to win it. Do you have a score prediction, or just they're going to win no matter what? I think they're going to win no matter what, but um, I'm going to go ahead and put on a score prediction just for you. So I'm going to say it's going to be 24-21 49ers. Well, I appreciate you going out of your way to make a score prediction for me. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, but Leo, you have been phenomenal. I, I enjoyed this conversation. You were open. You were honest. Uh, and you were just a great guest to get on. I know I texted you or DM'd you last night at like 11 o'clock, and you luckily answered your phone. So I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, and, and everybody out there listening, you can follow Leo on Twitter at LeoLuna93. He does a ton of great work for Sports Illustrated, covering the Niners. And he's just an overall great person to follow if you want to stay up to date on any Niner news and opinion. Leo, thank you for coming on. Uh, really great stuff today. And have a great rest of your week. And hopefully we are celebrating a 24-21 Niners victory over Green Bay. Yes, and thank you, Sterling, for inviting me on. It was a pleasure. How great was Leo Luna? I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. But before we go, I want to say something directly to the Niner faithful out there. Take a deep breath. Relax. 2020 sucks. We all know it. This team is banged up, a ton of injuries. I can list the 21 guys who have been on IR. This year sucks, and it's hard to wrap our head around what has happened. Going from Super Bowl champion 
to the worst team in the NFC West with a quarterback controversy and a roster with little financial flexibility that may have to cut ties with guys we have fallen in love with. The pain of losing to teams we should be dominating like the Dolphins and the Eagles, going up against an awful saddle defense and being able to put up practically zero points through three quarters. It sucks. 2020 sucks. It sucks it happened this way, but we shouldn't be complacent. But we do have to weather this storm. This storm that is 2020, that has kicked all of us in the butt, that has thrown us to the curb, in the trash, ripped out our pocketbook with the pandemic, made us lose jobs, and put us down in the dirt. If you're asking who 2020 hit more than anybody, I would say the Bay Area. And I, and I say that very lightly, knowing a lot of bad things that happened to a lot of good people this year. We can look at the roster, point out the flaws, and have many questions as to what comes next. But through it all, we can criticize, but we can never demonize the players in this roster. Don't go for Jalen Hurd's neck. Don't go for Brian Allen's throat. And don't attack Jimmy Garoppolo for the failures of this team. We are all faithful together. Some of the questions that you have, you may not like the answer to. I just got a ton of answers from Leo that I didn't like the answer to. But he was open and honest with me. And that is a great discussion to have as part of the faithful. Someone who knows a little bit like myself and someone who knows a ton like Leo can have these open conversations together. And again, we may not like the answers we get to the questions we have. But I promise you answers will come. You may not like the answer again, but they'll come, whether in 2020 or 2021, maybe even 2022. Let's be patient and understand good things are coming San Francisco's way. In an upcoming offseason and remainder of this regular season full of uncertainty, let's be patient. Let's give this Niners roster, whether it's led by Jimmy Garoppolo, Nick Mullins, CJ Beathard, or a person we have no idea who it is yet. Let's give that person who leads this team and this roster and this coaching staff time to recalibrate and get on track. Be patient, weather the storm, and be faithful. In the meantime, follow us on Instagram, 49ers.access, Twitter, 49ers underscore access, and don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave a review, and until next time, My name is Sterling Bennett, and stay faithful. Stay faithful.